Hey guys, I'm Colt Nose from CBS Golf and host of Subpar. You're listening to Chasing Birdie. Enjoy it, my guys. What's up, y'all? It's Thursday and another great episode of Chasing Birdies. Chasing Birdies. Hope y'all are doing well. How you doing, bud? <laughs> Buddy, I'm doing great. How are you? Well, today's episode is brought to you by Lynx Brewing. Make sure you check them out at lynxbrewing.com. The Chasing Birdies Blondale is coming, coming at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just waiting on the labels to arrive, and we'll slap those puppies on the cans, and uh, they'll be in in your refrigerator and for you to grab and just crush crush man speaking of crush you were in florida for a while i just got back from florida you just how got back florida how, vacay? my florida vacay is a little different than your vacay well bud you're at disney world i mean do you ride any rides you touch mickey mouse what's up i honestly can say i did not see mickey mouse Minnie mouse goofy you know my generous wife got me a um grumpy t-shirt which probably put two and two together but but uh, maybe because covid they're not allowed to be walking around or they probably have to put on a mask like some weird ass like disney-fied mask i know that's what i'm talking about how was your florida trip dude i mean my florida trip was great honestly went down there yeah some friends some family had a blast did disney did a, a jewelry show so now we're now we're here um and we're back how was your game Oh, dude, first off, it was so nice to escape the snow a little bit, but, uh, you know, it took a little bit to knock the rust off, but it really, really wasn't too bad after that fact. I mean, I got the new Bettinardi putter in play right now, guys, and I tell you, for y'all out there thinking about a putter, there's no other better putter than Bettinardi. Go check them out. The ball just, it looks like it's on Velcro. Maybe that's because I have such a great stroke, or maybe it's because the putter's that great. I don't know. But the golf game wasn't too bad for not playing since October and getting out there now and playing a little bit. I tell you what, bud, I look forward to uh, the summer with you in some of these golf tournaments, eh? We're we're partners um, Mm -hmm. in 2022, I guess now. That's right. Um, You've kindly invited me to the Pete Dye member guest and the Pikewood member guest, which I um, have accepted. Yeah. My invitations. And uh, right now I've got three member guests on the book. So I am available for anybody that would like me for cigars, I can't tell guarantee you what, how I'm going to play. But There's no better member guest partner than Jonathan Pepe. That's a fact. I think he's been to probably over two dozen member guests in the last three years. So he's well qualified for y'all out there listening. And speaking of member guests, today's guest, Mr. Colt Nose, recently played in the Troubadour member guest there in Nashville. But um, I can't even get so, on Nashville. I can't even get on Troubadour. <laughs> but I mean, I can get on but Nashville. That, but this is an awesome conversation we have with Colt, golf subpar co-host and CBS Sports on course broadcaster. I mean, this this is awesome. I think it's really cool that he's only doing the weekend. It's like he's calling the shots. Yeah, like I'm gonna do only listen, do the weekends. I'm um, not gonna see you Thursday, Friday. I want to be in on the action only. Final two groups, which is great because. Colt, if you've listened to the golf subpar, Colt has a personality that is dynamite, and it carries over to the golf course. A lot of the the guys on the PGA Tour are Colt's friends, so yep. kind of makes sense for him to be in those final couple groups uh, Saturday and Sunday. And um, I think that you're going to have some some good content from your couch uh, while Colt's calling the on action the uh, from the course. So. Let's roll it on over to Colt Nost. Y'all enjoy it. 
As you all know by now, Chasing Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Born. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Born makes fabulous pieces to help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to chasingbirdies.com to get some custom Chasing Birdie gear from Holderness and Born. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's chasingbirdies.com and Holderness and Born at hbgolf.com. All right, guys, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Chase and Birdie. We are honored today to have our guest, Colt Nost, on the show. Co-host, Subpar Golf, former PGA Tour player, many accolades behind this man. My man, Colt, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for joining us. Of course. Happy to be on. Buddy, you got a lot going on in your life right now, that's for sure. There is no doubt about it, my man. It's, uh, it's nice to have a little bit of downtime right now because it's about to get real busy again. Yeah, I mean, you started on course with CBS, what, about a year ago? Just like, was it a trial thing? Yeah, last year was my first year. I ended up doing six events for uh, for them on the weekend. I did 17 total between them and Golf Channel. Uh, but yeah, just, just re-signed, uh, did a three-year deal. So I'm excited. I'm going to be out there a lot. So I got to ask you this. You know, we're podcasters. We obviously look up to you and Sleazy. I mean, you guys have been doing incredible shit there with Subpar, which we'll get into. But... Have you thought about your scheduling with respect to, you know, your job now with CBS and keeping the podcast going? Oh, yeah. It's obviously going to be a little difficult, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still keep doing it. I love doing the podcast. It's so much fun. And, you know, being out there on tour with the guys, I mean, you know, I get to know them better. You know, I get to be around them a lot more so I can talk them into coming on as guests. <laughs> right. So we're, we're still going to do it. You know, I was just doing the weekends, this Saturday and Sunday for CBS. I could come home in between, film some episodes if we need to. You know, and with Zoom now, Zoom's changed everything. Right. I would much prefer to do the interviews in person, but at worst case, you know, if you've if you got a big-name guest and you, you can't get to him or, you know, he can't get to Phoenix or, or she, Zoom's changed, changed the game a little bit. That's um, like I us right now, bud. Preferred. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're doing it over the phone right now. Yeah, I mean, so, it is a game-changer. The, the, the in-person is where it's at for sure. But like you said, that's the cool thing for you for CBS. Now, and a lot of those guys are already friends of yours. But some of the newer guys you're going you're gonna to become uh, friends with and, and develop relationships where it's going to be easier to get them on your podcast. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, like I said, the more time I can spend around these guys, the more comfortable they are around me, and the easier it is to get them on the show. But like I said, in person is just a game changer. I feel like most of the guys, you know, they sit there and they forget the camera's rolling. They forget we're doing an interview, and you just sit there and you just bullshit for an hour. And it's awesome. And those are, those are the best ones. I do have to ask you this. D- do you miss playing on the PGA Tour, or are you very comfortable where you're at right now in your life? Well, I think it's both. You know, I'm very, very comfortable. I love what I'm doing. Things are going extremely well. I'm lucky, but I don't think any person that ever did like a sport professionally would ever not miss it. Right. Um, you know, I know that like I'm where I need to be. I don't want to be out there grinding trying to you know make cuts on the PGA Tour, but that adrenaline of teeing it up on Sunday with a chance to win or, you know, have a good finish. There's nothing like it. Um, you know, I'll be doing, I'll be doing TV this year at the Phoenix Open and, you know, I'll walking through that tunnel on 16. I don't care if it's Thursday or Sunday. It's still one of the coolest feelings you ever get. Right. And I'll, I'll always miss that. But I also like making a check every week. I guess in my, in my next question to that, what I, what, what you just answered was, 
when did you feel like, all right, golf's we're, we're done with golf and on to the new things in my life. I mean, we have a lot of mutual friends in the NHL and I've yet to have one of my friends retire from the NHL. So I don't know when they call it quits, you know, but for you yourself as a professional golfer, the best at what you do, that had to be one of the hardest decisions in your life to say, Hey, I'm hanging it up. There's no doubt. I mean, no one wants to step away. I mean, especially I was young too. I mean, I was 34, 35 when I stepped away, but you know, my whole deal is I should want to go backwards. Um, I had, I had my two best years of my career in 2015, 2016, that I tore a ligament in my thumb. I ended up having two surgeries on my left hand, one in the end of 16, and then came back, re-injured it, had another one. And so I was playing on a medical all through, like, 19 and 20. And, you know, I just I, I was out twice for nine months, and coming back was just brutal. And the game changed a lot. I mean, you look at what Bryce is doing now. I mean, these guys, you don't hit 300 yards, you have no business. Like what, what Brian Gay does, I'm trying to think of some other guys that don't hit it very far. Mm, He's the me. first one that comes to mind. Like, but Brian Gay, just, you know, what he does is unbelievable. I mean, to hit it 280 yards and be out there on tour, he won last year or year before, whenever he won at Bermuda. Like, it's just, it's incredible. Um, I mean, trying to be a guy like Bryce DeChambeau, who hits it literally 80 yards by me. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole other game. And, that's, and the game's changed a lot in the last five years. Which is fine. Well, you think about that. For you, you're hitting into you know hybrids into par fours, and my man Bryson's hitting seven irons and eight irons and nine irons in, into what you're hitting a hybrid. That's a huge difference. And I mean, I don't care how confident you are in your game, that wears on you mentally at some point. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. We had we had Bryson on our Serious XM show right after he did the long drive thing, and his his stock eight iron is 215 yards. <laughs> that's and unbelievable. I mean, that's just a yeah, and I hit uh, four hybrids. It's like two hundred five. I'm like I can't, I can't compete with that. It's just, it's a whole other level. And that's what I, that's what I always say. Like you know, I played, I think I played three times at Torrey Pines. I played well. I finished like fifteen three times at Torrey Pines, and it's seventy eight hundred yards. But I said, just, you know, over time, hitting five wood, hitting hybrid into these greens, like eventually it's going to catch up to you. Yeah, right. it's just you, you, you can't keep doing. It. And you know, I just, I was fortunate to play well. I mean, that's what I was good at, but. If I had to play there every week, I would I would hate the game because I was so exhausted after that week of getting you know having two twenty into every single hole and having to get up and down or laying a good one, you know, playing having a birdie putt. But yeah, man, it's just it's it's changed so much. It the only thing that bothers me, like I don't mind this game's changed because I think every sport's changed. I mean, if you look at the NBA now, you know it used to be big bands dominated. Now everybody shoots the three. NFL is all through the air now compared to compared to running the football, which is which is fine. Every sport's changed. The only thing that bothers me is that accuracy has no, there's no advantage to hitting it straight at, at any golf tournament. Right. I mean, no one cares about hitting fairways. And I think that's an art that's lost. I mean, yeah. back, back when I first started, like when I first started playing golf, it was like, who, who could hit it the straightest? Like, you wanted to hit it straight. Like, that's what guys did. Tiger, when he was the best, he hit the furthest, he hit the straightest. Now yeah. it's like, if we hit fairway, who cares? If we don't, it's gonna be deal. We're gonna hit wedge. We're gonna hit wedge out of the rough, and we're gonna make birdies. And that's the only thing that I that frustrates me. Well, and I and we played in Conference USA. You know, you were obviously at SMU, and I was at Marshall. And I remember in '07, I remember watching you play at, at conferences, and I remember saying to myself how straight of a ball hitter you were with the driver, mm-hmm. and how good you were with your wedges. I mean, you were if you missed the green, you were getting up and down. And yeah. I completely agree with you 
that right now the game of golf is a little frustrating in the sense that just hit it wherever you want, and it's fine. Yeah, go chase it, mm-hmm. and and we'll make birdies. That's true. I, I tell everyone, you'll about see a guy that plays the game like I do come along anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, and that's sad. Like, if a kid's not, like, I mean, yeah, you go work out and be crazy like Bryson. Like, that's just, that was never in my DNA. I didn't want to do that. But you'll never see a kid come up now through the ranks and be a superstar that hits it 280, hits it straight, and is a good putter. Like, those, I don't think they'll be, you know, the game of golf, will, they won't find it attractive to go try and chase that. Because yeah. these guys are hitting it so far. Now it's every teacher, you know, Boyd Summerhays is, is Tony Finau's coach. He's my neighbor here in Scottsdale. And we talk about it all the time. He's got three kids. One's at Arizona State right now. His his girl is going to go to Arizona State early. She'll turn pro within a year since she's that good. And then he's got a little one. And his whole deal with every kid he teaches is, we're going to teach you how to hit as far as we can, and then we'll figure out how to hit it straighter later. Wow. Which, you know, I get. I mean, that's how the game is. But it's just, it's so sad that, like, a Justin Leonard, who's a Hall of Famer in my opinion, right, will never come along again. I mean, he did. He, of course, Haven. I mean, Corey Haven wouldn't have a freaking chance right now. I mean, <laughs> he would be out of this game so fast, and that's just so sad because here's a guy who did 240 yards and is a major champion. I tell you what, man, that's a great point. And look how that's carrying over into the Champions Tour now. I mean, you got Mickelson now walking on there hitting bombs, literally, and that yeah. that progression is going to carry over. You know, I mean, yes, he won the PGA last year. That was awesome. But he barely made a cut other than that. Mm-hmm. But he goes out there on the PGA Tour Champions, and he wins every time he tees it up, it seems like. That's just another level out there. I mean, that's that's 6,800 yards. There's no rough. It doesn't matter. He's the longest guy out there. He'll smash it. But, like, Justin Leonard's going out there this year. I think he'll do extremely well. You know, Jim Furyk's going to continue to do very well, I, I would imagine. But it's just so sad that, you know, on the biggest stage, I mean, you had a major championship. Like, we just interviewed Kevin Kisner on our subpar that's coming out mm-hmm. um, at the start of the new year. And, like, he literally, I mean, he's, he's so open and honest, which is why I love him. But he's like, dude, like, I have no chance at majors. He's like, it's so distance biased. It, it sucks. And, like, here's a guy who was, he had the lead at Quail Hollow a few years ago at PGA. He played well at the British Open when it was at Carnoustie when it was rock hard and fast. Like, he has to have everything set up very, very well for him. He knows going into Augusta, he probably doesn't have a chance, which which sucks because you know it's one of the best players in the world, and he knows that he can't win around there. Like Tory Pines, the U.S. Open, he's like, I don't even know why I'm going. Right, which is is comical to hear from a great player. Well, I guess my question to you is, you know, Augusta Tiger proofs the course, and then all of a sudden they quote unquote Bryson proofs the course, and Bryson played like dog shit. I mean, playing some. He didn't play good yet. So, do you think that's because of the setup, or he's just overthinking it? I'll give you my honest opinion. And Bryson was sitting right here. I'd tell him, you know, I've interviewed his caddy, his old caddy, Tim Tucker. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes into Augusta saying it's par 68 because of how far he is it, which the golf course should set up well for him. But Bryson is so scientific with the way he puts the golf ball. He relies so heavily on the green books. I'm very interested to see what happens with him. Now that the green books are going away, January 1. Mm-hmm. The, the place he struggles with Augusta where there's no green books. The place where Jordan Spieth thrives is where there's no green books. I mean, he's one of my very, very good friends. I talked to him and his caddy, Michael Greller, about this. Jordan relies on the green books every single week for some stupid reason. I don't understand. He's one of the best putters on the planet, one of the best green readers. When he gets to Augusta, he turns into an artist and he just sees everything. Bryson is the exact opposite. And that's why I think Bryson will always struggle at Augusta is because 
he needs that information that he doesn't get. Maybe over time, after playing Augusta, you know, 50, 60 times, playing the Masters eight, nine, ten times, he'll figure out the greens a little bit and and have success around there. But if you look at it, I mean, his best finish, I believe, was when he was an amateur. He finished 16th maybe or 21st. I can't remember exactly what it was. But his best finish was an amateur. He just he has never putted well around there. He's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. And like you said, Spieth becomes an artist there. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he's not a bomber, though. I mean, he, you know. No, but, but Jordan can miss 10 cuts in a row going into Augusta, and I would still like his chances when he's yeah. foot on the ground there. Like, that's just, it brings out the best of it. Nobody has the imagination like Jordan Spieth does, and that's why he plays so well. I mean, it's, it's really generous off the tee, and I mean, the whole thing over him the last couple of years has been, he's hit it terrible off the tee. It's gotten, obviously, a lot better. He's up to 14th in the world again. And, you know, I, I think he wins a major championship this year. But when he strolls down Magnolia Lane, man, something clicks, and it's just he's turned into a different person. And he will always be a factor around there. Oh, for sure. He's always going to be a favorite, no doubt, when he steps foot there. Let me ask you something. In your opinion, what's going on with your former 2007 Walker Cup teammate, Ricky Fowler? I love the guy. Genuinely love him. I think he's got terrific energy. And I just want to see him win more. Is it mental? Is it swing coaching? I heard, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. I don't know. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, anybody that's played this game, Jonathan knows. I mean, the game beats you up. Yep. And here's Ricky Fowler, one of the most famous people on the planet, one of the most loved and liked guys on the PGA Tour. You know, whether he's ranked fifth in the world or 100th, he draws a crowd. People are going to go out and watch. I think it's just a lot of pressure. You know, he he probably hasn't had the career he thought he would up to now. Yes, he won the players. He's I think he's got five wins total. You know, he hasn't won a major championship. And I think a lot of people expected a lot out of him. And maybe he hasn't done it. And he got into a little bit of a funk. And you lose confidence. I mean, this game. Yeah. You know, I played I played yesterday um, with a guy named Tyson Nash. Played in the NHL for a long oh, yeah. time. And had a TV for the Coyotes. Terrible golfer. Great dude, terrible golfer. But we were talking about golf. It's like compared to other sports. Like he's like, dude, I could go out and have a bad night. We could still win. He's like, you just rely on your teammates. In mm-hmm. golf, you know, it's you. And you know what? You can shoot sixty three on Thursday and miss the cut or finish fifth. Yeah, you have to do it four days in a row, and that's what it's so hard about this game. That's why we were talking about like Tiger in two thousand. Like he won forty five percent of his tournaments or whatever, like that. Something that's so like stupid. That. Like to to do it. Day in and day out, every time you tee it up to yeah. be in contention, it's just, it's crazy. In, in the year 2000, I believe he played 18 times. He won nine of them, and his worst finish was 23rd. And I think he had two finishes outside the top 10. Like, it was a joke. Like, to do that day in and day out, it's so hard. And I think that's where, you know, people don't give the best players in the world enough credit. And I think Ricky, you know, he just got in a little bit of a funk. And he, listen, he's going to dig out of it, in my opinion. But at the same time, I think it's hard for these guys like a Roy McIlroy, Rick Fowler, they make so much money, right? Is there those days where it's like, okay, I don't need to go to the range for eight, nine hours. I don't need to go grind it out and practice. Like, I'm good. Yeah, that's a good like, point. You know, there's other things in my life that I gotta do. Ricky's a father now. Rory's a father now. Um, he's a husband now. There's more to his life than just golf. Yeah. I know he works extremely hard at it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I know he, he grinds. He wants to get out of this more than anybody. He's tired of answering those questions. When am I going to get it back? When am I going to be a top player in the world again. And I think you will. It's just, man, this game's just, it's just hard. It's brutal. Um, man. I think we get spoiled. We're spoiled with the Tiger Wood there, how good he was. Because mm-hmm. no one 
will ever do what he did again. I'll tell you what, he looked pretty dang good there a couple weeks ago. Dude, I'll tell you what, I was pumped, man. I, I watched that. I thought it was so cool. I think I saw like the ratings for the PNC were higher than the Open Championship yeah. this year. Or yeah, something like that. by like 300,000 people too. Yeah, that's and, uh, and on a football Sunday, which is just crazy. I mean, I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. You know that, Jonathan? I'm, oh, yeah. I'm flipping back and forth between the game and the, and the golf, watching him and Charlie go at it. You know, it's created a lot of buzz. 2022 on the PGA Tour is going to be incredible. I mean, if Tiger doesn't come down Magnolia Lane this year, I'd be shocked and see it up. You know, I'm going to be there at the Masters covering it, and it's going to be just unbelievable. I'm so pumped for this year. Let's talk real quick because you had a incredible 2007 summer, all right? You, you win the U.S. Amateur. You win the U.S. Public Lane Exam. You play on the Walker Cup. So when you win those, you go to the Masters. But you did something different. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. It's something I obviously get asked about a lot. And, you know, the way I... Listen, I was, I was done with school. The Walker Cup was in September, I believe. And so I was going to have to wait till April to see it up at Augusta. And look, as I tell people, my stock was never going to get any higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an incredible summer. I played in a tour event. I was in contention heading into the weekend. Ended up playing bad on the weekend. But, you know, I won the AM, the Publix, went undefeated at the Walker Cup. Played well at every amateur event I played. I was the number one amateur in the world. My stock was never going to get any higher. And I got offered a deal financially that I thought – was the right move to make by taking it. Okay. I got three starts on the PGA Tour that fall. I got to go to Q school. Um, you know, everything was lined up. And I thought, the way I was playing golf, I thought, I could go out and win one of these fall events. Right. That was my honest mindset. And then I'd be in Augusta as a professional. So it was a tough one. You know, it's tough to ask a kid when, you know, mm-hmm. a kid who's never had any money in his bank account ever, and they throw this at you and say, here it is. If you want to go out and you want to play for money now, right? Or if you want to wait six months, seven months to tee it up at Augusta, which is a lifelong dream and something that I'll always regret that I never teed it up at the Masters. But at the time, it was the right decision. Yeah. Well, you know enough people now that you can get on at some point in time. I just played it. It's not the same as I was playing the Masters, but I just played it uh, in November. I emceed Kevin Kisner's charity event, and uh, he got me on the next day. Oh wow! Um, and it was it was cool. Yeah, that's a dream. In 2007 in the Walker Cup, I mean, the, the team that you had, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Webb Simpson. Billy Horschel. I mean, who were Loaded. you teed up? Yeah. Who were you teamed up with? And you got to have a good story from being teamed up with somebody like Dustin Johnson. Yeah. So, yeah, I played all four matches. So that was when, you know, there's 10 guys on the team, eight played in the morning session, eight played in the afternoon. So two guys sat at all times. So I was... I think me and Ricky Fowler were the only ones who played all four. Maybe Billy Horschel. But most, most years, no one plays all four. But I was, I was on a roll playing very, very well. And, you know, going into it, we, we did a practice session at Caves Valley in Baltimore probably like two weeks before the USA. So a month before we went over. And the eight guys that were picked went. And then we had two picks left that were going to be made after the USA. So eight of us went to Caves Valley, did some practice, and Buddy Marucci just randomly threw me and Dustin Johnson together as ultimate shot partners. And we just dusted everyone two days in a row. Which makes sense because his length, your wedges, bingo. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we didn't know. And we just literally, we just killed everyone for two days. And we, <laughs> we're leaving, we're leaving Case Valley. And he goes, well, we, I know one team that's going to team up when we go to Ireland. <laughs> so that one was that. And, uh, you know, we, we have the match and we won a match. But, man, just playing with him, you know, we all knew, and Buddy would tell you the same thing, like, 
Justin wasn't yet the best player on that team, but we knew he was going to be. Like his talent back in 07, he was so good. He was so shitty with his wages. It was unreal for how good of a player he was. But once he figured that out, we knew he was going to be a superstar, and it's no surprise he's done what he's done. But one thing people don't know about the whole Walker Cup story, because people say it's the greatest team that we've ever put together, is now the last day all 10 guys play. No one sits out. Well, back then, still two guys sat out. Dustin Johnson sat in Sunday singles. Wow. Which is, I mean, to be, he's number what? He's number three in the world now. But he was the number one player for a long time. But to have him, to believe that he sat down a match is just crazy. That's crazy. Looking back at it. Yeah. He, uh, he followed my match around and laid in the fescue all day. <laughs> Watched me play golf. It was great. Now, is he wild then, huh? A little bit? Oh. Dustin <laughs> likes to have a good time. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we, I think there's no secret. I like to have a good time. Dustin likes to get after it. Yeah. Um, man, he's one of the best. Dude, I, I mean, you know, obviously, he's gone and done his own thing. Back then, I mean, we were very extremely close. We roomed together a lot on the road. You know, he got knocked out of the USAM and stuck around and followed me. Wow. Which I thought was, was so cool. Um, you know, he's been a great friend of me over the years. I'm so happy for his success. But there's no doubt. I mean, Dustin Johnson likes to have a, a good time. I'll, I'll never forget. I was at Hilton Head last year covering it. And I was on the putting green with him talking after his round one day. He's like, I'm so excited. I got next to the golf. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, tequila. No, that was just his answer. Like he, just, he was look, so looking forward just to having a good time. He's a guy who doesn't get near enough credit for how hard he works. That man is in the gym. He's on the range. Mm-hmm. He busts his ass. And he deserves every bit of success he's had. Damn right. I think he's great for the game. Now, you defeated Danny Willett, which I don't know much about this cat other than he won the Masters. The question is, did he win the Masters by winning it or did he win the Masters by being handed him? I think probably a little bit of both. The point being is that was your uh, singles match, correct? You, you defeated Danny Willett pretty handedly. I played him both days, actually. I beat him the first day, and then we actually had the second day. The second day, if I won my match, it was over. I was the third batch out. I remember he, uh, real bad off the tee on 18, had to lay up, and it's like 20 feet, and I had an unreal chip shot to like three feet. He made the 20-footer to force me to have to make the three-footer to have the match, so it continued and ended up Jonathan more clinched, of course, but Danny Willett, and I tell people, 2016 is the year he won the Masters. Mm-hmm. Jordan handed it to him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Jordan had a disaster on, mm-hmm. on 12, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But he's, Danny Willett still played unreal. But I have a great story about that because we, uh, at Royal Oaks, my home course, and when I lived in Dallas, they do a tournament called the Oaks Masters where you pick two guys, and like their score goes along with your score as you play Royal Oaks, right? But based on who you are, like Jordan has to like, give back five shots. Well, a guy like Danny Willett was like getting four shots. And so my buddies called me and they're like, hey, we want a guy that can, can help us out. And I was like, telling you right now, Danny Willett's the best putter I've ever seen in my life. I really like his chance around Augusta this year. So they took, they're like, I don't even know who Danny Willett is. Kind of like Elderson. So they took Danny Willett with their deal. They blitzed the field. <laughs> he won and I think he had to take four shots off the sport. That's hilarious. So they just absolutely killed it. But man, that kid... You know, I still see him today. I mean, that, he can roll the rock. And, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. Wins the Masters, then he fell off the face of the earth, and now he's on his way back again, which is great to see. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. And I didn't meant that no disrespect to Danny. Obviously, he's a major champion. But the point being is, did he win? But you've never played it? in a major championship. Well, I, maybe. I, yeah, yeah, but I, I'm with you. I mean, Jordan had a five-shot lead with nine holes. 
Yeah. Everybody everybody thought it was over. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. No doubt about it. You know, Colt, our whole premise on chasing birdies is, you know, we try to bring on guys that are chasing birdies in life that are addicted to golf in some way, shape, or form. You being the first that's actually been, other than Annika, a, a PGA professional. But I commend you in a sense that now you're turning your attention a little bit away from playing golf. You realize the time was up and you committed to that. Now you're chasing birdies in life. So hats off to you. I think that the youth, I see a lot of kids out there that are extremely talented at playing golf and are really good. However, they don't know when to call it quits. I just want to say that I think for the listeners out there that being able to realize sometime that there's a point in your life where you, you just got to let go of the past, man, and, and jump into the future. Do you see that as a little bit of a trend as well with some of these younger players now that they're really good, but are they Kepka good? Are they DJ good? You know, are they DeShambo good? And the answer for more times than not is probably no. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I totally see what you're saying there. You know, from my personal experiences, like, I just got lucky that, you know, I was able to fall into something right away. So, that's what made it not that hard to step away. But other guys, like, I get it. Like, you know, when you're growing up as a kid and your dream is to be on the PGA Tour and you get there, like, there's normally not a plan B. I didn't have a plan B. I got lucky as shit that I got a call from CBS when I was hurt one year and asked if I'd be interested in doing TV one day. Like, that was just total luck. A lot of these guys, they have no clue what else to do. Like, you've been playing golf for 12, 15 years professionally, now what are you going to do? Go sell insurance? You're just going to randomly start a podcast? Like, that just doesn't happen. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. And I will say this. There's a lot of kids growing up right now, and, you know, I play with a lot of these young kids that are coming out of college who think they're really good, and they don't have a chance. Like, the difference between them and the best players in the world is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, there's a kid out of Whisperock playing at Oklahoma State that when I play with him, I'm like, my God, this kid – hits it so good, he puts it good, he's so talented, and he struggles on the mini tour. It's, it's crazy. that There's such a difference between playing with your buddies at home and playing well and going out and doing it in the biggest life, on the biggest stage. Well, and that's why I love I love member guests now, Colt. I mean, smoke cigars, drink Hell booze, yeah. and I saw that you were at the Troubadour member guest. That's my style of golf anymore. I don't want to play in these tournaments, well, amateur events anymore, or do any of that. I don't want to practice. I just want to show up, drink, listen to music, and smoke cigars. And blade a couple wedges. Yeah. Go fuck a couple wedges over the grave, something better. It's so much fun going to those things and watching watching these guys, these very successful businessmen, multimillionaires, some billionaires out there, and watch them freak out on the golf course because they're so nervous. They want to play <laughs> so well. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys. Like, this isn't even your job. Who cares? Like, just go out and have fun. I played the one at Southern Highlands in Vegas this year with uh, Ben Lamb, who's arguably the best poker player on the planet. Mm-hmm. And watching him freak out and get nervous out there was just common to me. <laughs> I'm like, you'll play a hand of poker for a million dollars, and you're out here trying to win a fucking trophy with your name on it. You know, the member guest, like, who cares? Yeah, you like, have to love that time. shit, though. Like, like, that's the easiest cakewalk for you, like the shootout. And these guys get in the shootout, yeah. and I mean, hopefully they don't have white shorts on because they're going to shit themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. they freak out. It's it's great. I I laugh so hard. Like I'll never forget the last day. We're winning our flight by a million, and basically just got to stay alive to get to the shootout. And my boy, I mean, you couldn't have shoved a needle up his ass. It was so tight. <laughs> I mean, he was 
he was freaking out. I was like, dude, would you just relax and just play? Like, we're going to be fine. We're going to make it to the shootout. Everything is going to be fine. Oh, my God. It, it was great. And I love it so much, watching these guys full panic. And they're like, and then you get to the shootout, you know, and you got the one there is huge. There's 200 people out following, and these guys can't even pull the club back. Mm-hmm. It's comical. And I'm just sitting there laughing. And they're, like, I don't, they're like, I don't understand how you used to do this. I'm like, man, this is, this is just fun. Who cares? Just have fun. That's that's the truth. Well, for, and I was going to talk about you know gambling mm-hmm. on the golf course, and that's something that I know Colt you you tend to enjoy a little bit. For you, is that what kind of keeps you interested in around the golf with your buddies? That's the only thing that keeps me interested. Great <laughs> and, uh, answer. You know, I I started golf when I was twelve years old, and when I got to probably fourteen, you know, I started getting pretty good. I've, I've gambled my whole life. Honestly, I encourage young kids to gamble. Like, not to where it gets them in trouble or anything like that, but learning at a young age to play under pressure, playing for money, your money, teaches you a lot. Damn right. In my opinion, like, these kids are they're so spoiled nowadays. They got the track man. They go out there, and everybody tells them how great they are. I want you to go out there and play against a guy and have a putt for 100 bucks on 18 and see how you feel about it and see if you can handle the pressure. I think you learn a lot about it. You know, uh, I've known Scotty Sheffler since he was seven years old. And he started playing in those games, you know, when he was in high school and college with us out at Royal Oak. And Scotty Sheffler was always going to be a great golfer, but I would be lying if I say I don't think that helped him some. Being out there with guys that are older than him, better than him at the time, and having to play under some pressure. Like, you can go out there with your dad or your fan club or whoever it is and hit, and, you know, if you hit a shitty one, drop another one and go out there and be like, oh, I shot 65 today. Who cares? Do it when it matters. I think gambling man and i'm not encouraging you to play for something that's out of your you should be uncomfortable yeah obviously don't play for something that's going to hurt you financially but man i mean and nowadays i mean that's all i don't give a shit if i shoot 77 i care if i win money at the end of the day that's damn right yeah yep so uh i love it man it's just i've I've always been that way my whole life i've been a gamer whether it's golf sports blackjack uh who walks around the corner next (laughs) it doesn't matter um (laughs) i just i I love the action and that's why people I, I've known people that have played golf with Jordan, and it's they say it's just so uncomfortable for the the money that he wants, and that's part of his thing, right? We're gonna we're gonna play for as much money as we want. It's gonna make you uncomfortable. One hundred percent. There's there's no choke factor for that guy. You're exactly right. You can't play for enough to make him uncomfortable. He's cutthroat, huh? Like he oh he wants your throat. He wants to kill you. That, I mean, he's the most competitive person. That's insane. You'll ever be around, and and I and I love that. Like the fact that I've gotten to play golf the, the amount of times I have and see that, it's so cool because that's what makes him. You know, I play with my buddies here, and they say I can be an asshole on the golf course. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, that's the arena you grew up in. Like, that's what you did. Like, you want to kill them. Like, I laugh. People are like, oh, you get mad when you play bad. I'm like, do you get mad when a business deal goes bad? Yeah. I mean, like that's your job. Like, right. you, of course you do. This this was my job. Like this, I want to be great at it. And playing with MJ, it's just he is so competitive. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's golf, basketball, business, anything. He wants to be the best. And he wants to win at the end of the day. And he wants to chirp you. And that's and there's a reason why he is the best. Hundred percent. I played golf with Dan Marley the other day. Obviously, an NBA legend, and we were talking about MJ and just like even in golf, like if he had, every time I play with him. If he has a putt on eighteen, it matters. I've never seen him miss. Like it's just when the moment's the biggest, he shines, just like he did in basketball. And, and it's just it's it's so cool to see. That's an innate trait, my man. 
I'll tell you, gambling yeah. though, Cole, getting back to that, you know, I remember growing up, my mom would drop me off at the local country club. It'd be me there with all these old cats, and they'd go out and we'd play a little $2 Nassau game. And I'm like, guys, fucking A, man, $2. Like, that shit is nothing. And I was like, you know, yeah. sixth, seventh grade at that time. So, uh, ninth grade rolls around. I get hooked up with a bookie. I start betting the shit out of football. And now Terrible I, idea. I've. <laughs> I've never looked back. One thing about gambling that's taught me is never give up, man. Just keep coming back. You lose. Double down. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Exactly. Keep firing. Yeah, because you're going to catch something. But no, to your point, I agree with you 100%, man. Like, you got to have something at stake other than just a score, period. No doubt. I, and I love it. Like I said, I'm not encouraging kids to have a gambling problem or anything like that, but put something on the line out there. Have someone, have someone want to beat you mm-hmm. instead of – your parents fluffing you every day you're out there and telling you how great you are. Yeah. Amen to that. And there's a hotline out there, folks. 1-800-GAMBLER if you got an issue. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And, but if you, if you don't have an issue, go to FanDuel and sign up and use code SUBPAR. Yeah, there you go. go. Use there. <laughs> nice plug, bud. <laughs> it good plug. SUBPAR. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about SUBPAR. How did that happen? And how did you end up with Sleaze? Yeah. I found him sitting under a bridge one day. <laughs> and he looked, like, he looked kind of funny. No, I've known Sleaze. You know, he played at TCU when I was at SMU. So I knew, I knew him back then. And then uh, I moved to Scottsdale, joined Whisperock, and he's got a huge personality, as y'all know. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. His, his mind works in different ways. We always kind of joked about, you know, maybe doing a show or something together one day. And I got a call from SiriusXM like three years ago. Scott Greenstein, who's the president, called me, and he's like, I'm in L.A. at, at Riviera. Love to meet you. And I'm like, perfect. So I met him and his wife for lunch. And he offered me a show on Sirius XM right there. One day a week for an hour. And I was like, I got a guy I want to bring on. They're like, it's your show. Do whatever you want. Wow. So I called Sleaze. He's so popular. I'm like, dude, we got a show. We're going to do Mondays for an hour. Well, the thing just exploded. It killed it. Like, we're six months in, and they're already talking the next year, going to three days, maybe five days a week for two hours. Jesus. And then there's a man who runs, who's president of a company called 8 AM Golf. So that's the umbrella company that owns like golf.com. They own true spec fitting, uh, Nicholas course design. They own, they own all this stuff. And his name's Hoyt McGarity. And he's a member at Whisper Rock. And he pulled me in and plays aside. And he's like, what do you think about doing a podcast for golf.com? I'm like, shit, sure. We'll do it. We'll see how it goes. We'll just, we'll see what happens. So, you know, there was some talk back and forth. We'll just see how it goes. Don't know if it's going to work and all this. And I mean, as you can see now, like it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's blown up. I mean, other than Barstool, I mean, I, there's really, I mean, Barstool, no laying up, and and, and us, I would say, are the three biggest golf podcasts there there is. It's gone to a whole other level. You know, I'm I'm surprised by it. Golf.com is surprised by it, but it's killing it. You know, it's it's just continues to grow week in and week out. We finally, you know, got some merch out now that's selling like crazy. Our guests continue to be great. Uh, we did our first like event this year at the Ryder Cup. That's and, awesome. And we just it's it's so much fun. It is a uh, it's a treat to sit down with you know the best players in the world and and, and pick their brain. It's, you know my biggest thing is I've always told Sleeve and he obviously agrees with me on this is you know these guys do a lot of interviews and they're all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just I want it to be different. You know when I was playing, if I did an interview, I could tell you ninety percent of the questions are going to be asked, and that's just it doesn't get you excited. And like when we sit down with these guys, like I can literally see the joy in them just talking and having fun talking about stuff that they're not used to talking about yep. and 
that's that's just something we've always wanted to do is just show these guys are they're not robots they're people and they like to have a good, they like to have a good time just like the normal guys you mm-hmm. know what when they when they have an off week they want to get fucked up and go have fun with their buddies let's yeah. talk about it <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that right like, I don't I don't understand the the problem like I get it like agents want to protect these guys yeah um you know they want to have a squeaky clean image and all this but you know what I think is cool and why a guy like John Daly is so loved because he's normal he's like he's every one of other us. working guy. Is he likes to have a good time and he shows it, and I think that's what's great. That's one reason I think people have liked me so much over the years. It's just, I'm I'm not that guy who's in the. I'm not a robot. I'm not in the gym right. or stuff. I'm just your normal guy. I'll yeah. be out of the bar, boozing, having fun, talking to strangers. Like that's fine, and yeah. I, and that's what we try to do on our show is just just show that these guys are, are normal people that are just really fucking good at what they do. Yep. That's why I think your show is so successful too, is the relationship between you and Sleaze is dynamic. Obviously you guys are friends, but you feed off of each other and he's hilarious and you're hilarious. And that's the thing too, is that your personalities attract these other personalities that come on your show because they like you and they feel comfortable with you and you're not going to expose something that they did that wasn't the greatest or whatever. You just want to provide entertainment for the listeners you have to be commended for that. It's awesome. Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. I mean, that's that's exactly what we try to do. It's funny, like, Sleaze and I don't sit down before a pod and, like, go over stuff. Like, we're going in there. I have no idea what Sleaze is going to ask. He has no idea what I'm going to ask. Sometimes it's the same thing. But, I mean, you never kind of know. Like, we'll, we'll sit down and be like, hey, let's start here and go, go this direction. But, like, we have no clue what each other is going to ask. Yeah. It just always comes together and goes really well. And we feed off each other. But like you said, we're not trying to expose anyone. We're just trying to show that these guys are just normal dudes. And we like, obviously, I I dig up some dirt. That well, not definitely will get a guy in trouble. But I right. reach out to friends. You know, I'll never like. We've had so many guests like in the middle of the interview, like, holy shit, you'll be all homework. Like, I mean, I get guys numbers that you wouldn't believe, high school buddies, and just find out these stories that are hilarious that make you know a Ricky Fowler you know, even more lovable to the world right? because he's just, he's a normal dude that did something stupid one day and it's funny. Um, you know, we, we have shot O'Hare. I don't know what, I don't know what you're allowed to say on your show. You um, say whatever you want, man. Yeah. I mean, we had Sean O'Hare talking about jerking off in the shower <laughs> and hurting his knee. <laughs> I mean, those things just don't happen, Right. but it's funny shit. It's, it's hilarious. It's a normal dude being like, yeah, I was on the road for four weeks away from my wife, you know? I hurt myself one night, one day in the shower. I mean, it's just, it's comedy. Like the fact that he actually talked about it is greatness. And like you said, I think that's just one of the benefits Please and I have is we just make guys feel comfortable. Like it's just, you're just sitting there bullshit with three dudes having a good time. That's yeah. I guess standing up in a shower, that's probably the easiest way to do it. I would probably sit down, but uh-huh. God, he is. I couldn't believe he talked about it. I mean, I threw the question out there. I, I'll never forget. Please, please had no idea. This is one of the ones we actually, I mean, this, that, if you haven't listened to the Sean O'Hare one, go listen to it because it's great. So I asked please before the show, I said, hey, do you have one of the, sh- like a question about the shower? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I told him. And so we saved it for our last question of the emergency night. And before I even started talking, please is crying laughing. Like he, he knows what's coming. He's dying laughing. And I, he's like, I can't believe this is about to happen. So I phrased it. I said, is it true that you only stay in handicap accessible bathrooms because of a near career ending bathroom injury? And he, and Sean O'Hare just looks at me and he's like, are you really fucking asking me this right now? And I just start, 
I mean, Flynn is on the ground laughing. He goes, you know what? Fine. I'll talk about it. And he just went off. I'm like, <laughs> I cannot believe this just happened. I mean, I'm crying right now just thinking about what the look on his face when I asked that question. Uh, but it's, it's great. And so many people have come up. They're like, Sean O'Hare is unbelievable. Like, people like knew who Sean O'Hare was, but now they're like, Sean O'Hare is one of my favorite golf. Right. <laughs> because uh. of because he just opened up and told that story. Well, they're normal guys, um, bud. We all have, we all do this shit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we had Joel Damon talking about how he tried to do the 24 white claw challenge in a day on the round of golf. And he got to 22 and his wife made him stop. Like, <laughs> it's just like, holy shit. Joel Damon's awesome. He's so much fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the, I mean, wait till you hear the Kevin Kisner one. I mean, Kevin Kisner is just on another planet and I love him so much. He just goes off, and it's it's great. For you, I mean, I I, I know that you like to indulge in, in cocktails and drinks and all that. Do you like boozing while you're golfing? And and does it get pretty uh, – are there a lot of drinks flowing while you golf with the boys or what? You know, it just depends. I mean, you're in Arizona, bud. It's like 130 degrees there right now, <laughs> like let alone in the summer. Actually, it's fucking freezing here right now. It's terrible. This is the worst weather we've ever had. We played yesterday. It was 55 degrees, which is freezing for here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, occasionally it depends. Like our gambling games are pretty big, and so I like to try to feel the best way I can. So normally I play better sober than I do boozing. But yeah, you know, if I got a fun group out there, I'll have a cocktail, I'll have a transfusion. You know, maybe on the front and one on the back. But normally I save the drinking for after the wrap. But if it's just a hit and giggle, hell yeah. But if it's serious money, I I, I want to win. I hate I hate passing out money, so I, I tend to stay sober during those. I'm the same way, dude. Like when, when Jonathan and I, we play and member guests together. We play at Pete Dye. I'm a member at Pete Dye and a member at Pikewood National here in West Virginia. And we won our member guests this year at Pikewood pretty handily, too, coming down the stretch. But at any rate, I'm like, dude, there's no fucking way I'm, I'm drinking right now while we're playing. Like, mm. ain't happening. That Pete Dye course, I played that one year, my rookie year on the, uh, on the web tour. Yeah. I'll never forget. I played like an absolute asshole the first day. <laughs> Was missing the cut by a million. On Friday, and I was like, to my caddy, Dito, like, we got to figure something out. So we, we came up with a swing thought. I said, I'm going to just try it this last nine holes on Friday, hopefully get ready for next week. I shot 29 on the back of Pete Dye. Jeez. Missed the cut by a shot. Shot 26 under the next week in Springfield, one by four. Holy. See, that's golf. So, that's what people don't understand. So Pete Dye, Pete Dye helped me out. That Pete Dye course helped me out a little bit. Have you heard of Pikewood National? I haven't. Oh my god, dude! I'll text you some images. It's 33 in the country right now. It's a little gem in, really? in yeah Morgantown. You and Sleaze need to come in, uh, and yeah, Dash is the member there, and and he'll he'll host us there, dude. This place, oh, it's walking only wow. 7100 or 7650. Yeah. yeah, I hate walking only. I know. Well, it's not like college, bud. You got to carry your own bag. You will love That's it. True. The vistas, the views. It's fucking. There's a guy on Instagram uh, named Butsy. So a lot of people follow the golf world. He sent me a he sent me a t shirt that said "Walking is for poor people and tour players," <laughs> and, I, and I love it so much. Uh, uh, but it is it it's incredible. I mean, it, meticulous. Well, we get in that area. I'd love to. Yeah, man. Well, look, we're gonna. We're going to transition this into our little tap-in segment here brought to you by Bettinardi Golf. So Jonathan's going to ask you a couple here questions and just require your quick response. All right. You got it. Favorite drink after the round? Oh, tequila. Codigo. Codigo, Rosa, and soda with an orange. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a tequila. You're a tequila, man. I'm, I don't do that. Oh, yeah. I got to give the Codigo a little shout-out. They're my people. Love that. 
Mm. All right, this is kind of a two-parter. Most money won on the course and lost on the course. Well, gambling or on tour? Gambling. <laughs> <There's a difference. laughs> gambling, uh, I think 12,000 won, uh, lost 2,000. That's pretty hey. hey, You're, you're yeah. in the black. All right, your favorite interview on subpar? Mike Commodore. He's hilarious. Down. Oh, my God, is he hilarious. Goddamn, dude. I've, I've heard all his stories a hundred times, and I still laugh my ass off every time he tells them. It's the best. And we got part two coming up soon with, with Mike Commodore. <sighs> it is. Everyone that asked me, I know it's supposed to be quick, but I, just, I mean, everyone yeah, that asked me, if, if I have an hour, what, which one should I listen to? And I say Mike Commodore. Oh, dude, dude, that was a good one. Me. Absolute greatest. He is so fucking funny. Him subway. and Babcock, it's like the die oh. for. It's the die for. That and the, him when he drove for Uber, I mean, it's just it's the best. God, he's unreal. He's right. one of my favorite people on the planet. Last question. Most memorable golf shot? Oh, most. I would probably say that the Walker Cup against Danny Willett. Um, you know, I, I hit it over the graded two of the par, on the par 518. And I've heard rumors like the pro still takes guests back there to show them where I got it up and down from because over up on 18 there's just dead. And I hit this bump. I bumped it into the hill and it's just straight downhill, crazy fast. I chipped it up to three feet. I would probably say that one just right off the top of my head. Under the moment, it was second. I remember Billy Horschel behind the green just going absolutely fucking crazy when I did it. Yeah, he's um, drooling. That's the, that's the first one that comes to mind. That is a good one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool at the moment. Well, well, my man, you, we can't you run thank you enough. Already? You run yeah, that's them. it. Hey, it's quick and simple. Colt, we're going to uh, Ireland, boys. Me, Pep, and like ten other guys, a couple NHL guys. We're going to Ireland in uh, July. Well, go to the Sleeve Donner, the hotel there. If you if you make it out to Royal County Down, go to the bar. Yeah, we're going there. Let me know me. They'll they'll probably ask you to leave. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, there's some pictures of our Walker Cup up in the clubhouse there at Royal County Down. Tell them, tell them I sent you. They are awesome people That's over awesome, there. Man. We had an absolute blast. There's no better people in the world than the Irish. Uh, I had so much fun over there. It is awesome. Well, cool. Well, we look forward to it, man. We can't thank you enough, my man. I mean, we really appreciate it. I can say from the outside, looking at what you're doing, it's fantastic. I commend you. And best of luck with CBS, Subpar, and we'll keep tuning yeah. in. Yeah, it's impressive you got stuff. It, guys, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Well, there it was. Former PGA Tour player Colt knows that was freaking awesome. I mean, the stories alone are hysterical. That's Sean O'Hare's story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but all I imagine is is you in the shower slipping and falling and getting hurt while touching your Dude, finger. I would, yeah, my luck, I'd break a leg. It'd be like, oh, what happened? I'm like, oh, I felt weird in the shower today. But it was awesome to, to hear, you know, from a PGA Tour players, how much the, the game has changed. Like he said, I, the Colt Nose of the world are not going to exist ever again. Where you hit it 270 down the middle of the fairway, you chip and putt, lights out. Just, it's not going to happen. Like he said, they, they teach you, hit it as hard as you can, and we'll go find it. So that's, that's modern yeah, day golf which, right now. If I swing, I don't know about you, but like if I swing really hard and try to like come out of my shoes... I fucking hooked the shit out of it. I mean, it doesn't even go 160 in the air. It goes 80 yards left. So to have that control, what about you? When you jump on it, where you, where's it going? When I jump on it, it's it's more or less going to be a hook. But I feel like when you jump on it, so we're talking about the driver and the length of, of off the tee because clearly you got to hit a 300 to play on tour at least. But I feel like when you jump on it, 
it's it goes a little further but it's still the same smooth swing like i've never seen you get crazy other than when you toss the shit out of clubs but i mean can you not tell people that <laughs> but seriously so it's interesting i just think it's really cool to to hear you know like i said he probably one of the best amateur careers summers ever u.s amateur public links walker cup those three in the same summer goes on a pga tour has a su- successful career now i mean he's taking the podcast game by storm now he's on on the weekends commentating pga tour yeah but he's chasing birdies in life good for you colt and uh we're happy to have him on now looking forward well we're looking forward to a lot i mean 2022 i can't wait till august yes. the party on the mountain so we we want to thank our our sponsor nemacolon you know truly beautiful property have a little bit of everything for everyone out there. You can play golf, you can go to the spa, you know, the pets can have a little day over spa treatment, two world-class golf courses. Amazing. Um, I mean, Great art. It just goes on and on. The art's incredible. The zoo is really cool. It is truly for a wife, girlfriend getaway, or even for the family. So go check them out at nemacolon.com. They're rolling over there. I, I love them. I love everyone over there. Tom Smith, Chris Barron, Kelly O'Donnell. The boys got it grooving over at Nemecolon. So now, our next podcast, everyone, we got Mr. Jeffrey Becker from the Lynx Brewing Company. What's up, Pep? Uh, nothing. Just I'm excited for, for everybody to listen to Jeff Becker talk a little bit about how we collaborated on our uh, Chase and Birdie Blondale. Um, and uh, it's exciting times for everyone around here. I can't. I cannot wait. Till the day we're flying in a member guest and we look over in our cart, the other cart has Jason Birdie Brew. But Jason how, Birdie Blonde Ale in their cart. How y'all like that? Hey, you, you like, like that? that yeah, you like that. We made it, yeah. As hey, I you drink, guys, thanks for as listening. I drink some red wine here. It's good for the heart, brother. Especially someone like you. It's really good for the heart. Yeah. Make sure you go over to chasingbirdies.co. Check the gear out. Support your boys. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Have them like us, listen, tune in. They don't like us, that's fine. We understand we're not for everyone, but keep spreading the good word. Yeah, you guys have been great. We appreciate the love. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Chasing Birdies, and thank you to Simpler Media for putting this thing together, and Rachel London for all your social media help. We'll see you all.